Welcome to New Destiny Christian Center's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor David Verdecchio. If you'd like to find more information about our ministry, please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com. Because it's the day that we mark and we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. It's the day that we mark that he conquered hell, death, and the grave. That he ended the battle. Amen. That we, you know, sometimes we think, oh, I'm in such a battle. We're not in a battle because Jesus already won the battle on that day. You can't have a resurrection without a cross. And on that day, there's just an excitement inside of me. Amen. I, I look forward, you know, I look forward to the day we get to get back together. I don't want it to be a day too soon, but I'll say this. I look forward to that day because I believe that the people who begin to come to church, there's going to be a different church. It's not going to be the same place. I don't think America is going to be the same place. I think that there's going to be a, a difference and a challenge that begins to happen because the, 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 the devil and the enemy and people that are uh, in positions of power make no mistake. They don't want churches to gather because it's in the gathering that the power is released. It's in the gathering together of the saints that the church is formed. And I've heard many people say, oh, the church needs to get over it. They just need to have church online. My answer to that is I'm not born in communist China, but I was born in America, and God has given me the ability to preach the gospel, and the church will resurrect and rise. Because it's the church. But anyway, we're going to go ahead and go on, and we're going to talk about the Word of God, and we're going to talk about Resurrection Sunday, and you know, I always, when I read the Word, I always put my, try to put myself in the place of the people. What were they thinking? What were they doing? What were they going through at that time? What was going through their heads? And so I want to look at three people, and how the cross and the resurrection affected their lives I'm going to start in Mark chapter number 15. I'm going to read verses number 21 and 22. It says, Then they compelled a certain man, Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross. And they brought him to the place Golgotha, which is translated place of the skull. So here what you've got is you've got a man, Simon. He's going about his business. It says that he has two sons, two children, and as he's going about his business, he's passing by. I love that, 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 the way that the word says that. He was just passing by, and his life was interrupted by the cross. See, to be real and to be honest with you, that's what Christianity is about. I can remember back in 1986, I was just passing by in my life. I was just living my life. I was doing what I was supposed to be doing at that time. I'd graduated college, working a job. I had a couple of uh, uh, weeks that I didn't have to go into work, and so I thought, well, I'm going to go visit my brother in Colorado. When I went out there, I didn't have any intentions of going to church. I didn't have any intentions of getting saved. I didn't have any intentions of doing all that stuff. My life was fine. I was okay. But he said, if you're in my house, we're going to go to church. And I thought, well, I don't know anybody within 2,000 miles of here, so I might as well go with them. 
And when I did, and when I went to that place, my life was interrupted with the cross of Jesus Christ. See, I tire of church where there's never an interruption of people's lives. See, when we get saved, it should interrupt our lives. It should change our lives. This idea that we give our lives to Jesus and we just add him to a life that already works is not Christianity as the Bible speaks of. Because when you get saved, you're supposed to be transformed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. That those things that once drew you no longer draw you. And that you begin to have the power of God flowing through your life. You begin to think differently. You begin to act differently. Your whole life is supposed to be transformed by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. See, it's a power that God gave that rose Jesus from the dead. And that same power lives inside of every believer, every born-again, repentant, godly, God-fearing Christian that loves Jesus Christ, that there is a power that flows through your blood, and that power is supposed to exude out to the society that's around you. See, that day when Simon was walking and they grabbed him and they said, Hey, you, come and pick up this cross and carry it for him. It didn't matter that Simon had two children. It didn't matter where he was going. It didn't matter that it was interrupting him and his rights and what he wanted. That cross begin to become a burden upon his shoulders as he all of a sudden had to walk with Jesus down that road to that hill. I thank God that in 1986 I gave my life to Jesus Christ. My life has never been the same. He so changed and resurrected me. He so transformed my life. And it's not a bummer. Sometimes people, when they witness, they go, oh, give your life to Jesus. He'll, he'll get it to where you no longer have to do all this stuff. That's... Jesus isn't a bummer. My life, I don't look back at the last 30 plus years and, and say, oh, oh, I wish I could still have my old friends. I wish I could still be doing this. Oh, but Jesus won't let me do it anymore. If that's the Jesus that you're serving, you got the wrong one. Because it's a celebration of what Christ has done in your life. It's the power of God that transformed me. That I don't have to wake up on Saturday mornings anymore with a blazing headache not knowing what happened on Friday night. Because God has been so good to me. See, my goal, I had different goals before I got saved. I had goals. I had things. I, I can remember I, I, I decided uh, uh, actually fairly recently before I got saved, I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and I'm going to do one of those seminars where they teach you how to buy real estate and flip properties. This was only back in 86. There wasn't many people doing it back then. And I went through all that stuff. I got all the cassette tapes and listened to them and all. I had a goal and a dream and a desire. I had some place that I wanted to go. But in that moment, Jesus came and I realized those things are so minor. Those things are so minuscule in comparison to what God wants to do. See, when you give your life to Jesus, it is supposed to interrupt your life. He means to change you. He'll change you from the very core of your being. 
Amen. You know, the cross is not convenient. The cross will get in your way. There's, there's something about, you know, it, it, it's funny in society now, they're, they're talking about, uh, I saw in the news a church that they wanted to have church and they were just going to sit in the parking lot and nobody get out of their cars. And they had a whole fleet of policemen that came to prevent them from being able to do it. That's not about the coronavirus. I'm sorry, that has nothing to do with the coronavirus. That has to do with we don't want churches to meet in any form, any fashion, in any way. Let me help you with something. There's something about when Christians come together and lift their hands in worship, there is a release of power that cannot be stopped. That's why they don't want churches together. When that time comes, when they continue to push against churches, I'll be on record to say, I'll be one of them that's going to push. Amen. I better move on before I get myself in trouble. Simon's life was interrupted that day. Simon's life was changed that day. Second person I want to look at is Peter. I love Peter. Peter's one of my favorite people in the whole, in the whole Bible. You know, I remember as a young convert and as a, as a disciple, amen, I still say disciple was the greatest title I ever had. Amen. I, I've been a pastor for a long time now, but disciple is the greatest title that you can ever have. But I can remember the, the, the other guys in the church, the other disciples would get together and they'd talk about Paul and they'd talk about how great Paul was. And man, I wish I could see Paul and I want to be just like Paul the Apostle. Let me tell you something. I don't think there's many people in America that could stand being with Paul the Apostle. Amen. That man didn't have any, he didn't have any problem looking you in the eye and saying, you, you need to get something right, boy. So I like Peter. Peter's that guy that half the time had his, his uh, foot in his mouth. But you know, he made probably more mistakes than any of the disciples. But I'll say this about Peter. He made mistakes because he was willing to step out and do something. Oh, God, give us men and women that are willing to step out and make a mistake. All this fear-mongering. I just don't want to do anything wrong. Well, bless God, would you please get up and do something? Amen. None of that's in my notes. I'm sorry. I, it, 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 let's look at the Bible. Mark chapter 16. I'm going to start at verse number 1. Amen. The Bible says, Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him very early in the morning, amen, that just proves that God is a morning person right here. On the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen, and they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door to the tomb for us? But they looked up, and they saw the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting uh, I'm sorry, and at the end of the tomb they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen, he is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee, there you will see him as he said to you. So here we've got the scripture 
they come into the tomb, and the, you know, it, it, there's, a, there's a few things in there that, that, that you can touch on. Amen. The first preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the resurrection were women. For all of the people out there, see, women can't preach. They were the first ones. They preached the gospel, which is the resurrection, the good news. And so they came to this place. They were devoted to the Lord. They came into this place. And when they were there, they, they, they saw the angel. And the angel had a very clear message. He said, Jesus is no longer here. He is risen. And then he said those, those words, go tell his disciples and Peter. Go tell his disciples and Peter. Now, Peter was a disciple. What was the problem? Why was he singled out? Well, to be honest with you, I don't know if Peter felt worthy to be a disciple anymore. See, he did something that even, G and even Judas didn't do. He denied his master in three different ways one morning. The first way he defied Jesus, or the first way he did, well, the first way he denied him was defiantly. Matthew 26, 69, and 70. The Bible says, Now Peter sat outside the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I don't know what you're saying. He defi you know what defiance is? I love when I look up the definition of defiance. Defiance, isn't, it isn't the words, it's the attitude behind the words. Defiance isn't a word. When your children defy you, if you ever had your kids defy you, it's not the words. They don't even have to say anything. You look at them, you tell them to do something, and you can see defiance in their eyes. You can just see it, and you can feel that rebellion begin to come up. So defiance is not the words, it's what's inside. Defiance is open resistance, bold disobedience. Wow. Peter, a disciple. Peter, one of the ones that was on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, one of the closest, one of the three. He was in the, the inside crowd. And on that day, when they had taken Jesus, uh, he defied Jesus, even knowing, even saying, I don't even know what you're talking about. Because fear sometimes can be so great, it can be so powerful, that it can cause you to... And the second way that he did is he, he denied Jesus contemptuously. Matthew 26, 71 and 72, the Bible says, And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl, and I love this, it was, it was little girls that were causing this big fisherman to deny Jesus. Amen. It wasn't soldiers, it wasn't the Roman soldiers, it wasn't the big mean guys that were coming. And it was a little girl because it showed what was living on the inside of him. It says, and when they had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath. I do not know the man. See, when they talk about oaths in the Old Testament, it meant something. Today, we don't even understand oaths. People just say, well, it's okay if I lie. I just tell them that it was just business. Business. 
People will tell you all the time, well, lying's just a part of life today. But back then they understand an oath. And so he made an oath and said, I don't know this man. That was something that was powerful. That was something that it was a, he, he was contemptuous. When you read the definition of contemptuously, it's in a scornful way that shows disdain. It was, it was, it was, he was trying to portray a disdain for Jesus. He knew him. He walked with him. His heart was with him. But in that moment, fear caused him to show a disdain towards the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a power in that when you understand. And the third way he denied Christ was blasphemously. Verses 73 and 74. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you also are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. The blaspheme means to speak irreverently about God. He blasphemed. Now why is that such an important thing to talk about on Resurrection Sunday? Because when the, the angel came and when they saw the angel, the message from heaven, an angel is a messenger, remember, the message from heaven was go to Galilee, go tell his disciples and Peter to meet me in Galilee. See, he was telling them right from the get-go, Peter, what you did was tough, it was wrong, it was horrible, but I don't forget you. Oh, you want to talk about a resurrection message. See, Peter, after he denied Jesus three times, it said the cock crowed, and in verse number 75 it says, and Peter remembered the words of Jesus who had said to him, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. See, Peter, the one who walked on water, the one who saw the miracles with his eyes, denied Jesus in those three ways. And when that rooster crowed, in another part of the Bible, in another, uh, one of the Gospels, it said that Jesus met his eyes. And those eyes, when they hit Peter's eyes, begin to tear him up on the inside. Because he realized the one that he loved, he just denied. And it broke him. It broke him because of his sin. It broke him because of the pain that he knew he caused. Oh, would to God that the church of Jesus Christ will begin to cry out on its knees in brokenness for the sin that they so openly and contemptuously commit before the Lord Jesus Christ. That once again the church would begin to be a church of repentance. Because forgiveness comes after repentance. John chapter number 21, verse number 17. The Bible says, and he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, this is talking about Peter. This is Jesus after the resurrection. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? 
And he said to him, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. And verse number 19, then he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. That speaks to me so much because when Peter was fishing and Jesus walked up and preached out of the boat and told him to launch into the deep, Jesus' first message to Peter was, follow me. And here he is after the resurrection, after the denial, after the reinstating, after all the things that had happened. Jesus was always the same with his message. He had to speak something. He went through all that stuff and he told Peter, follow me. See, the message of following Jesus is so powerful. He was telling him, if you will just follow my life, if you will follow my example, if you will follow what I've already done. See, the church doesn't need new, big, grand revelations. What the church needs to do is follow Jesus. Because he's leading today just like he did then. I don't need a magazine that tells me all the ways to do all the fancy stuff. It's all fine, that's part of it. But what I need is to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost, just like he told Peter. That in those times when you fall and you feel broken and you feel you let God down and there's no way for you to come back and there are people that are out there today, you feel those exact things. Maybe you turned your back. Maybe you walked away. Maybe you committed adultery. Maybe you committed thievery. Maybe you committed all kinds of sin. I'm here to tell you that Jesus says it's time to be restored and follow him again. Because that's the power of the gospel. Jesus didn't just rise for the people who, quote unquote, were raised in church and never sinned. But he died for broken people too. He died for the lost and the hurting. And he died for those that followed him and fell away. He died for those who committed treason against the gospel. But he's there to speak to you today. And to bring restoration to your life. And to tell you, I know what you did. And I want you to be broken. But I want you to know I restore the brokenness. Repent. And follow him. There's a power in that. Mark 16, verse number 9. Bible says, now when he rose early on the first day of the week... He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. Mary Magdalene, the first person to see Jesus resurrected. He rose and he appeared to her. Now, I, I, I begin to study a little bit about Mary Magdalene. I mean, first of all, it really doesn't say a whole lot, but it does say that he cast seven demons out of her. So what does that mean about Mary Magdalene? That means she wasn't born with a halo on her head. 
that Mary Magdalene had some problems in her life. She had some things that went on that weren't the greatest, but one day her life intersected Jesus' life and it was changed forever. And Jesus, when he met her, he saw inside there was a devil there and he cast seven demons out. Now today we don't call people demon-possessed, we just say they have issues. And we want to give them a tissue for their issue. I don't want to give you a tissue I want to give you the Holy Ghost that will cast that devil out of you. She was devoted to Jesus. Why? Because he was willing to look her in the eyes and see the devil and cast the devil out. Too many times today, people, they want their devils. There are many people that are here today, just, just as I begin to talk about devils and demons and I talk about possession and I talk about oppression and the devil, do, I, I feel that sense of people, that, oh, oh, you can't say that anymore. Jesus did. He went all about casting out devils. Why? Because he didn't want the devil in them. See, if you ask me what compassion is, compassion isn't petting the devil and say, no, you'll be all right, sweetie, don't worry about it. Everything will be all right. No, it won't. Get the devil out. There are too many Christians that are walking the earth, too many Christians in our church that are walking into church every week bringing friends with them. And their friends are in them. And I don't say that out of condemnation. I say that because the power of God came to cast that devil out of you. So you don't have to live in that anymore. Amen. But she was so devoted to Jesus. See, this is what was unique about Mary Magdalene. This is what stood out to me. A, she was there when they crucified him. It's in Matthew 27, 55 and 56, if you want to look it up. She was there when they buried him. Mark 15, 47. And she discovered him at the resurrection, Mark 16, 1 through 7. She was so devoted to Jesus. Why? Because her life changed. She, she wanted to be with him. In his most difficult, it says that all the disciples begin to go, except for John, they, they all turned away, that the disciples ran out of fear. And yet this woman, this little powerhouse of a woman, She's one of the people I look forward to meeting someday. We got all of eternity to be able to meet people. I want to go shake everybody's hands. There ain't no coronavirus up there. I shake hands. All this, we ain't gonna let anybody shake hands anymore. If you're a man and you meet me, I'm gonna at least try to shake your hand because that's a manly thing to do. But anyway, I better get off of that. This little woman, that when all of this was going down, when Peter's denying him, when all the disciples ran, when all the different things came down that happened, this little woman was there in his most difficult hour, in his most difficult place. John 20, verses 11 through 16. The Bible says, But Mary stood out by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. I can picture the scene. 
that Mary Magdalene is there. She's so broken. She's so broken up. She saw him crucified. She saw him being buried. She was broken down. And it said that she was, she was stooping down. She was just weeping in, in bitterness and, and unbelief and not understanding what was going on. And she stood and she looked into the tomb. It says, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? See, heaven, don't get me wrong. I know that it's a somber thing. You know, you got Good Friday and Silent Saturday, and there's a somberness that is there. And there's a, but the, the angels understood that when Jesus rode, they didn't, they didn't understand the, the sorrow anymore. I could, I could just picture in heaven that the, the, the devil, he, he decided we're going to kill the king. We're going to kill this son of God. He's a problem to us. We're not going to allow him to do what he's supposed to do. And the devil killed him. And on that Friday, when the Christians were weeping, the, the, the devils in hell were rejoicing that all of hell was dancing in the streets and excited. And they were shouting and they were having a good time because they had killed. They thought they had stopped the plan they thought that there's no way now. We killed him. He can't be the king. He can't be the savior. We took him out. And on that Sunday morning when he rose from the dead, there must have been a trembling that began to take place and all of hell began to recognize what in the world is happening that those who two days earlier were rejoicing with uncontrolled excitement all of a sudden realized it's over. He conquered hell, death, and the grave. He never, he, we never thought that he could do it and he would have done it. And the other side, the Christians begin to realize Jesus, he had died on the cross it's over and all of a sudden when he rose from the dead there was a joy and these angels they said woman why are you weeping and she said because they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they have laid him now when she had said this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there I just Jesus made it so personal he made it so personal because she was there that whole time. He knew her heart for her and he, he came and she turned around and there he was. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, one word, he called her name, Mary. And the Bible says, she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. When you walk with Christ... There's, there's, a, there's a connection that God wants to give you with him that you know him like Mary Magdalene knew him. She didn't just know of him. She didn't just know of his teaching. She wasn't on the outside. She wasn't just watching from a distance. She was in the midst of all of what was going on. And on that day, all he had to say is Mary. And that, that, that tone of his voice 
that inflection that was there caught her ear and she knew it was the master. I just, there's something about, I can't wait to get more details when I get to Hoven. Why, why did you choose to show yourself to Mary Magdalene first? Because Jesus is about people, not religion. Let's face it, people. Jesus comes down to the earth today. He's not going to go to Rome. He's not going to go see the Pope. He's not going to preach in the cathedral. Jesus was about being with the people. He would be in church on Sundays, Sundays now, of course, the Sabbath then. But he was about meeting people's needs. And that's what the gospel is supposed to be about today. And so after all these things happened, and after all these things were there, Jesus, when he appeared to them, they, they went to Galilee, and Jesus went and appeared to them, and he said to them, he's talking to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. See, he was giving them their marching orders. See, the resurrection is so vital and so important, but it's not just about the resurrection. It's about what we're supposed to do with the information that he gave us. When you begin to look at the book of Acts and what happened, and he told them to go and wait and all the things that were there, and the church was born, and the power was released, and all of Jerusalem began to shake, and then he began to shake the regions outside of Jerusalem, and then he began to shake to one point where they said, those that have turned the world upside down are here now. He wants us to turn the world upside down. If I have one message on Resurrection Sunday, it is this. We need to be the church of Jesus Christ. We need to be the church that comes together with power and with anointing, not just anointing here, not just anointing here, but anointing on the lives of the men and women of new destiny that go and preach the good news of Jesus Christ, that go out into the world, that when the sick are there, they lay hands on them and they're no longer sick, that when they run into people that are going through oppression, that they can pray that that oppression often break the devil. You see, God wants people to go into all the world and preach the gospel because there's an end time. See, I believe coronavirus is just the beginning of the end. It's not the end. It's not over. But I do believe something has been loosed that is demonic out of hell. That they have found politicians and people in places of power that have put themselves in and are trying to control an entire world and the church. And the church needs to rise up and say, by the power and the anointing of Jesus Christ, we resist you. We're going to preach the gospel and bring the end time harvest. I do not want to get to heaven. And find out that I didn't do my part to preach the gospel and see the end times revival take place. God wants you to rise up as a warrior. You say, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can do it. Simon of Cyrene was not a big fancy guy. He didn't have some kind of big pedigree. And yet we know who he is, and all through history, it talks about the story of the man who carried the cross for Jesus. Peter was a fisherman. He walked close with Jesus. He was right there in the midst of everything that happened. He saw things that some of the other disciples didn't even get to see. He walked on water, the only other person besides Jesus to do it. But yet he denied Christ. 
It was as if he took the spikes and drove it into Jesus' hands himself. Jesus even takes the people that have gone through and done things that, that in our minds are unforgivable. And Jesus says, I forgive you when you repent and follow. Mary Magdalene, she had seven demons. She wasn't a holier-than-thou person and all, but when she met Jesus, her life changed. He transformed her from whatever she was before to a woman who just loved Jesus. See, that sounds like such a small, just loved Jesus. But it's the most powerful thing you can do. And Jesus chose to show himself to her first. See, God wants you to be an anointed one. He wants you to be one that walks in power. He wants you to be one with that kind of a relationship that God can speak to you in the midst of everything that's going on in the earth. That's what the resurrection's about. That's what he did for us that day. Our sins can be as far as from the east to the west. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor David Verdecchio of New Destiny Christian Center. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com.